Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Kente Corner special. Happy rocking Kente Corner New Year. We made it. The last pot of the year. I'm Bobby Bancroft here with Ben Standig. And it is not a great New Year's Eve for the Hoyas, Ben. Big loss. Big loss in Providence. Well, hold on. But first of all, I think it's appropriate to let people know that it's a big day in other respects. Happy um, birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big, big birthday. Have you, have you officially reached the point where now that I'm, I'm saying that, you're like, oh, that's right. That's happening today? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty uh, low-key birthday. You know, I had to go to work. Did some did some family stuff here a little bit. Um Watched the Hoyas score what seemed like eight points in the first half. And uh, going to do some celebrating tomorrow a little bit more. But, uh, you know, you get to be old. The birthdays are kind of, kind of, whatever. Well, this one, from a from a basketball perspective, this will be one of the more memorable ones. What was the point of the well, game? Well, it will be. It will be. It, it'll be memorable and it'll be, like, impossible to forget this actual game. <laughs> well, I guess that's true on some levels. It was certain level of historic but what what was the point today that you decided that Georgetown was in trouble when they were down two nothing or four nothing or eight nothing or twelve I think or it was, was fourteen to nothing. <laughs> I think it was ten nothing and they had already turned it over three times and you, you just you know it's funny in the beginning of the year when Akinjo was still on the team, it seemed odd that Georgetown was really trying to force your seven with, you know, two really good guards and all that stuff. And Without McClung, who we found out from, I don't think Georgetown sent anything out, but they must have said it on site because Kevin McNamara tweeted it. I don't know if Georgetown tweeted it. I don't. I wasn't really paying attention, but um, I was surprised that they did just immediately go. You know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna like we're gonna just force it down low. We're just gonna keep doing it. That's not really the way the game started. Blair, who was starting for McClung, got two quick fouls, and the next thing you know, it was fourteen nothing, and this was not a bowl game. Yeah, I think I tweeted something like, yes, uh, Providence kicked the extra points and they're kicking something else right now. Uh, I mean, what, you know, we've, we've talked about Mirasan now, uh, you know, since all the guys left. What, how quickly did he come into the game? Like eight minutes or something like that? I mean, it was. Uh, I think it was quicker than that because they don't, when, when you put Blair in the starting lineup, you don't have a scholarship guard forward on the bench. So it's either Mirasan, you can go big with Wahab and your seven. Or you can bring in Jaden Robinson, who I believe also played uh, at least in the first half. So yeah, I mean, you—that's what you have to do. Yeah, no, I mean, it's—it's. It, I mean, it, it's the rare game, like you know, like we. There's been games we can all remember over the years where players have been hurt, um, and, and you can sense the difference. You know, the Chris Wright in more recent memory comes to mind when he broke his hand, and the Georgetown went from being like a high-scoring team to they just couldn't do anything, um, but. You felt like, oh, come on, these guys should be doing better. In this case, it was almost like, you know what? At least from my perspective, like, you know what? I can't even be mad. How could you? <laughs> like, they're what could they do? They just literally don't have enough players. They they have much better second half. They actually had a, what like an eleven zero run. I mean, the final score of sixteen was pretty impressive considering they were down thirty three and they looked they looked more focused in the second half and uh, playing with you know you know just playing better basketball. I mean, it's not like they don't have got five guys that can play. They just don't have six, essentially. Uh, so it was, it was, it was like, okay, what can you do? 
But man, that first half was uh, was pretty tough. Well, I, I totally understand that, but they also had an entire half against American to play without McClung. And yeah, it's only American, but I believe that game at the half was in the balance still. I think it was, it wasn't completely out of hand at that point. Um, just a little surprised it didn't come out with more energy. And like I said, really try and just say, look, you know, if you look at the final box score, both, both um, uh, Allen and Blair, who didn't shoot particularly well, took far more shots than Omir. And I think I think I tweeted at one point, like, you know, look, you guys are going to lose this game. I think you got to go down swinging and you got to just say, look, we're just going to we're just going to keep forcing it down low. And I know some people were tweeting at me that, you know, your seven is turning it over. And he had again, got credited for only two turnovers. Um, I just was surprised that I guess Georgetown really can't play that way. Right. They can't just slow it down. I know I tweeted that in the Ewing era when they, in a, in, in a big East game, when they score less than 70, they're now one in 12. So this, they're not going to just all of a sudden, you know, like what was it? Mike Bray would always go to the burn offense when guys kept getting hurt. That's not something that Ewing's going to try and do, just slow it down and just, you know, try and win like a 62 to 58 type of game. But, you know, you, I know you, you're you playing without McClung, but Providence, not a really good offensive team, shot lights out. Maybe they were due. Maybe it just sort of, you know, the offensive struggles translate and they end up on the defensive side too. But that first half probably one of the worst first halves I can remember. Yeah, no, I mean, it was beyond – you know, again, the, the Blair foul trouble really started to put them in the pickle quick, and they just looked off whatever it was the first Big East road game, the first Big East game, whatever it was, they, or just the fact that they have like no players. <laughs> they definitely looked off. You mentioned those early turnovers. So, not it, it, it was well beyond. I mean, they shouldn't be down 33 points. It, it's not like they don't. I mean, your team was one of the, I don't know, a handful of best players in the conference. All the other guys are, you know, worthy rotation players at a minimum. Uh, but and, and they were the ones in the game when it started to quickly fall apart. So it is what it is. But they, like I said, they did rally in the second half. Well, um, I'm looking at the box score here. I mean, I think one thing that was a little sort of frustrating for me, you talked about not getting irritating enough, um, enough touches, enough shots, and, and that's sort of game planning. But from like a overall standpoint, like I thought this was a game where okay, this is a good chance of getting Jamarco Pickett. Uh, uh, getting him aggressive here. They absolutely positively needed his offense today. And he's got nine points on nine shots. He did make three of five from three. But, I mean, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so maybe I'm wrong. But it just feels like he's just not getting up the shots, and like, which is surprising to me. I would have thought, like, it would have been the opposite. Like, maybe, you know, at least, like, as a freshman, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have worried about him getting up the shots. And now it seems like he's trying to – which is good. He's focusing on other parts of his game, but – they really needed him to get to get going at some point this season, and this is a good chance that didn't quite happen. Just from a volume standpoint. Um, speaking of a volume standpoint, from a historic standpoint, and obviously basketball is way different than it was in the '80s. Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair both passed Charles Smith on the school's all-time three-point list tonight. They both moved past Smitty, uh, Blair's twentieth all-time. And Pickett is twenty first. Charles Smith twenty second. Yeah, that's definitely an era thing. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, no offense to those guys. That Charles Smith was way better. Uh, but yes, I mean, I, I don't picture Charles. I mean, he, you know, it was. I, I still would argue 
in fact, like if we do some uh, decade-ending questions, he was a different decade. But like if Georgetown program questions, like who's the guy that made the biggest leap from what he was when he showed up to what he became? That answer is one million percent. Well, I guess I guess there could be two answers. One could be Roy Hibbert, but the other one, Charles Smith, was like an absolute annoying player to watch. And by the end of the, like even Reggie Williams there is like get get back on the ball. He was freaking amazing at the end. Anyway, at the um, end, at the crazy set. So obviously the game, you know, they were down thirty-one at the half, the the biggest deficit in the Ewing era. Um, you know, that being said, with ten twenty-six, you're at seven, made I think a turnaround jumper. It gets sixty-five to forty-nine. Hoys are down sixteen now. Obviously, sixteen is not a great spot to be down with ten minutes left. But you're also, you know, at that point, I said, look, you know, right now Georgetown is two stops and two scores away from making everybody really, really nervous at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And then Georgetown went six minutes without scoring. So there was that little bit, that little bit of hope. I never, I was never believing that they were going to come back and have the all-time performance or whatever. But as bad as it was, you know, Providence got into a funk. Georgetown started hitting some threes. And, you know, that's what college basketball is. Who's hitting more threes? Usually it's kind of that simple, unfortunately. And uh, they gave themselves a chance. And then they just, they just, and, you know, even with that happening, with not scoring in six minutes, Providence only scored six points in six minutes. So there was a chance for it to get down under 10, which I think would have made Ed Cooley and everyone really nervous. You know, I said this before the game, and the worst part Georgetown was always going to have a performance like this, maybe even with McClung, just because they're going to be playing a lot of games. They don't have a deep bench, all those types of things. The problem for them is, and they had a good non-conference, is that the Big East is pretty good this year. And the one team that had been sticking out as struggling is the team they played tonight, Providence. So when you look around and you say, okay, well, how am I going to get to nine and nine? How am I going to get to 10 and eight? Or how am I even going to get to eight and 10? And it's like, where are the road wins going to come from? This is one of the spots where you think, hey, we can go to Providence and win. So to, to be missing McClung for this game, like there's going to be some games, you know, if you, if all of a sudden before the Villanova game, you say, oh, McClung is out. Obviously a bummer, but you're probably sort of penciling that in as a loss, right? So to lose him in a very winnable game might really, really hurt at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is maybe, you know, it's a, it's a strong way to cap cap the year for you, maybe your best point on the podcast, that sometimes in life it just comes, you know, certain timing is everything. And in this case, from that perspective, timing uh, not so good. I mean, it, have to, it, it felt like a good chunk of the broadcast was the announcers, or maybe it was sort of even the post game was like them talking about how Providence basically stunk yeah. for most of the year and that uh, – you know, they started to look stronger at the end of non-conference play, but, they, but could they do enough in the Big East to overcome how bad they were? And that's the team that Georgetown just lost to, which, you know, uh, you know, again, bigger picture perspective, obviously, it's their first loss since all the, the craziness with the program went down and guys were leaving, you know, leaving the program. I so think everybody would have taken six and one. <laughs> right, absolutely, absolutely. But to, but the Big East is a new portion of the season. There is a new variable. And, uh, yeah, the, the timing of that is uh, – a little bit of a bus kill. Um, and if you so, if you want to keep talking about bad timing, Georgetown's back at it on Friday. They're not they're not coming home, from what I understand. They're going, you know, there's they're going from Providence. They're they're staying up there. Obviously, school's on session, so that totally totally makes sense. But 
oh, hey, by the way, now you get to go play in Newark against Miles Powell. And, you know, I like, 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 like I pointed out, Ewing's been in charge for two years of Big East games plus one game now. So 37 games at only one point in that time has Georgetown been above 500. That was last year. They won their opener. They were one and oh. So you go oh and two. That third game against St. John's, that becomes a huge game because you cannot go 0-3. But just even being 0-2 last year, they kept being, it was like, you know, they were um, always a game under 500. I'll actually I'll just I'll just look to it real quick. They were they were three and four, they were six and seven, they were seven and eight. They never could get over that hump. They were four and five, five and six. You know, they were just always right there. They finished nine and nine. But it, you know, once you go two games under, that means you gotta win. At some point, you you got to string together, you know, three in a row, something that they haven't done in, you know, I think three or four years in the conference. So obviously it's early and they've had a good non-conference, but, you know, wow, all of a sudden it's like, hey, you got a quick turnaround on Friday. We don't know about McClung. Do you know anything more about McClung? Other than I think it's probably concussion is my guess. Um, basically, from a little bit of just that I heard was that I think there's hope that hope that he'll be back next game. Uh, yeah. Sounds like he's gonna have another checkup and uh, um, see what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, just from the standpoint of, you know, look, obviously you, you hope the kid's fine and all that. But from a basketball perspective, while tonight, while that first half was abnormal even for what they have, they literally, I mean, this is what we talked about once all this went down that they literally couldn't afford a hangnail let alone a notable injury. So if he doesn't, if he's able to miss only one game, stinks for the various basketball reasons, but that's all right. He misses, he starts missing multiple games and obviously it's, you know, problematic. Do you think, do you think that there's anyone left on their schedule they could beat without, let's say like either your seven or McClung is out. Do you think that there's anyone that they could beat? Your seven and McClung are out? No, no. Like, like if like one of them, I'm, I'm just, I'm just singling oh, oh, out gotcha, those guys. I gotcha. No, I mean the answer is the answer is no. I, I mean, like when we talk about like when people always say, "Oh, LeBron doesn't have any teammates," that kind of thing. All those teams went ten deep, even for for actual basketball players. It just maybe didn't, you know. I mean, he often played with stars. But my point is, they had ten guys, and and even some of those are Duke years. Uh, I remember Duke would have like maybe six, seven guys, but the top six or seven were like guys who were all getting picked in the first round. Right. right. So Georgetown is, is like they don't have the star player and they have zero depth. I mean, you know, McClung and the Arte are good, but they're not, you know, we're not talking a lottery pick. So, the yeah, no, I think the answer would be no. I don't I don't think they could. You just you have to have bodies at some point. You can't literally play six guys. Yeah. Um, for most of the game, I was thinking there's no way they could win without McClung. But then when you start to watch second half is progressed literally any sort of a pulse in the first half and didn't find themselves down 31 if they'd only been down like nine you know which you know still wouldn't have been a great half so i think maybe against province i really don't think is very good okay nothing that i today's game's not changing my opinion i thought that they based on all the numbers they shot ridiculously higher you know significantly higher than all of their averages and all that kind of stuff and Maybe New Year's Eve in Providence, just the energy is just there that it's just hard to lose. Um, I think maybe against them, I think maybe against, you know, DePaul, but it's probably not something Georgetown wants to find out in actual um, 
in like a test, right? I think they want to go forward, not having to find out that that answer. Yeah, and let me just declare, like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at the actual roster. I'm just going off the cuff here. I'm just saying for any team, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> if if you had the Patrick Ewing playing era where you had right. that level of a starting five or six players, that'd be one thing. But that's not what we're talking about. No. It's not what we're talking about. Um, but you know, you know, by and large, you know, bad, uh, tough loss, bad loss, whatever you want to say. But you know, the second half was encouraging. They get McClung back. I mean, it, it, the the other part of this, like you said, is or to the point of your schedule to have Seton Hall, you know, or, it, it, when yeah. healthy, arguably the best team of the conference. I would say, um, as the next game on the road. I mean, that's you know, that makes it uh, as complicated. No, not a lot of favors for Georgetown opening two on the road. Of course, I think last year they opened up at Butler. You know, if there's anywhere you want to open up, it would be at Butler. Georgetown seems to just, you know, collect their collect their mail at Hinkle for whatever reason. That is that's true. All right, before anybody suggests this is a boring podcast, is there anything who you would want possibly to do that? Who what I, sort I of mean what sort of mean individual would do that? Uh, who, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. Somebody who hopefully uh, learns their lessons going into the next decade. All right. That said, <laughs> that said, uh, is the uh, use? Did you want to wrap up the decade? Is, is that what I read on the syllabus going into this? Yeah, I would like to wrap up the decade. Do you, uh, All right, I pose you something to you? So I pose a question to you. I have my sentence. If you Uh-oh. could just pick one, if you could, if you could, in one sentence, describe just a macro view of how the decade went for Georgetown basketball. Do you have one sentence? I'm going to come up with one and it's kind of harsh. Um, Do you want me to give mine first? I've thought about it for five seconds. I have one. Okay. Um, We went downhill back home. Uh, I mean, you know, the beginning of the decade had some pretty good highs despite some of the tournament stuff that, you know, that, that, that we're used to. Uh, you know, but then after the sort of the the Otto Porter era, and then like a couple of years later, things went obviously so bad that they made a coaching change. And you know, the Ewing era has been you know uneven at, overall to to be kind, I guess. Um, but because they went back to Patrick Ewing, it's like they it's like all right, we went back home again because they're trying to do the South. I think so. Downhill back home. How about that? Okay, that sounds like a like an annoying country rap song that I heard all summer. <laughs> so mine would be since it's been proven to me and i don't necessarily agree with it because you have to enjoy the seasons as a whole but clearly that's not how they're digested as we've found out from covering georgetown basketball so it's all about the tournament so what i would say is if you said hey describe what happened to georgetown this this decade i'd say they had a two NCAA tournament wins and two head coaches. And that's yeah, not great. No. That's not great. <clears throat> it's uh it's not great, Bob. Not great. Um But that's not to say the first part of the decade, Georgetown was a legitimate ranked team, spent a lot of time in the top ten, all that kind of stuff, a lot of great moments. But uh, you, you know, it's funny with uh, the in, in, I mean, look, a, a very basic thing in life happens all the time. We all are in situations that 
we don't we we don't fully appreciate at the time for whatever it is because whatever we think something out there is better. We you know we just don't recognize what what we have in that moment. You know you know and, and then all of a sudden something changes and things get progressively worse. Whatever whatever, whatever you're talking about a job or relationship uh, could be other things. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden, you know, realize, like, Joe, you know what? The things I thought were bad before were actually over. I could, I could live with. How do we, you know, how do we deal with that again? <laughs> and that's how things have been for the, for this place. I mean, the, the talk at the beginning of the decade was, you know, Georgetown's a big joke because they 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 keep get out of the first or first weekend of the NCAA tournament. All those bad losses that we've all talked about. I don't need to do it for the eight billionth time, but you know, we do not. You, but you know, yeah, when you won twenty odd games a year to become the two seed. There was a lot. There was a lot more good times, and now you know, for the most part, there hasn't been any of it. So it's uh, you're like, oh wait, would you go back in time? I told you you have 20 win seasons, and the chances of getting bounced early in the tournament were strong. Not, not. You know, would you take it? I don't know. <laughs> I think people might now. I think they might, but but, but honestly, maybe not. So it, for, for so many people, are it is postseason or bust. That the, the the regular season is. Is whatever, but everything gets defined by the end. So if the end is still going to be painful, some people may, maybe wouldn't want it. My guess is that most people that are that way aren't actually uh, consuming the entire season, you know, like day by day. You can't be, right? If it's just all about you get that bracket at the end and whatever happens in that, that's the way that you completely view the season. I don't think that you can be, you know, living and dying if that's the way that you're going to view it, but that's just, that's just my look. No, on I mean, I think, yeah. I, I think you're fair. I mean, I think you're probably right, but uh, you know, again, a lot of people, no matter what the sport, just their, you know, the rings culture we've become, it just, everything go comes down to what happens. Um, what happens at the, uh, the end. All right. What's the, uh, what's the, what's the next one uh, you got? So if there's a player, so going, so the 2010 season really is, you know, the nine ten season, that's the season of Monroe's second year. So he just played a little bit in 2010, but he technically played in the decade. If there's one player on, if, if you could go back, so you think of the season that they were, that the last season that they were on the team and then they left, whether they graduated or they transferred or they went pro, who would be the one player that you think would have made the most difference in the following year had they stayed? And like I said, it could be they graduated or they, you know, they went pro, they transferred, whatever, for whatever reason, they weren't on the team the next year. Who do you think would have helped the most? Oh boy. Uh, well, one name comes to mind easy, but I'm trying to think if, uh, let's try not to agree on this or well, at least come up with, know. you know, different, different people. Well, I'm trying to think really quick here on the fly. I mean, I, I'm trying not to think of seniors, right? We're not saying a senior could have a, a non-existent fifth year. Right? No, no, We're I'm saying, about... no, I'm saying like that, like it's, this, this is just total it, fantasy. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like oh, for whatever okay, reason, for whatever reason that they left, if that guy had had one more year of eligibility, who would have made the biggest difference for the next year's team? Got it. Um, well, okay, I'll, I'll just go with one. I'll stop stalling. I mean, the one that comes to mind is I feel like I talk about him all the time, but I don't mean to. But uh, but Otto Porter, he leaves after his sophomore year. Not only would he have arguably been you know a first team All American the next year, but the team went from. 25 and seven and a two seed that, you know, the, you know uh, in the tournament lost the Gulf Coast, whatever, to going with the exact same team except for one player, 18 and 15. And while Georgetown the next year 
had a 22-win season made the tournament. It felt like that first season without Otto Porter was sort of a sign of where things were headed and that things just started to get progressively worse. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's kind of a toss-up. I think if Monroe comes back for his junior year, that 2011 team was really good until Chris Wright got hurt. So I'm sort of assuming that in this fantasy that Chris Wright doesn't get hurt and Greg Monroe's on that team. Because they ended up being a sixth seed in the tournament, but that's because they lost their last four games when Chris, when uh, Chris Wright got hurt. So that you know they still had Freeman, they still had Clark, they had Hollis. So I think that would have been a pretty difference. And I think that the 2013 that we all know lost to Gulf Coast and they lost Greg Winnington during the season. That that team, their bigs were Lubick and Hopkins and Moses started playing at some point. So if, if that team has the Henry Sims from the year before, that team was a two seed without Henry. I think that team probably, then that team could have probably been a one. So those are my, those are mine. All right, I like I, uh, I like it. I'm, I'm um, down with that. I, Hen, the the final year Henry Sims was one of my favorite. Wow, I wish you had done this for four years, guys. Yeah, I bet it's on JT3s as well. This <laughs> is my guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and an honorable mention, I think it would have been crazy to watch Rodney Pryor play in the Patrick Ewing offense. And, uh, <laughs> or I think, you know, actually Pryor or Peak, if either of those guys were there for, for Ewing's first year, I think it would, would have been pretty interesting. The guards were Mulmore and Dickerson. I think it would have been. It would have been pretty crazy, but I think it's it's probably Sims, maybe Monroe. So, what are your crazy end of the decade Hoya what ifs or what have yous? Uh, well, I didn't. I only thought of one. And what is that it? Was basic, basically, you know, regardless of how, uh, whether it's feasible or or a pipe dream if you could change any one thing about the program and but I don't want to say, I, I, I'm hesitant to say an example, but <laughs> it could be hypothetically, you want to put the big East in the PAC 12 conference. You, you know, you, you want to move the physical campus from, from Georgetown to Miami. I don't know, whatever the, you know, you, you want, you want to, uh, you know, well, whatever you want a different head coach, whatever, whatever the thing is, what's the one thing that you would change with the program? I think most people would say, if they could just wake up tomorrow in 2020 and on campus there was an 8,500 seat arena, I think that would, that's probably at the top of most people's list, right? Yes, I would, I would, uh, I, I would say, I mean, I, I don't, I, well, I, you know, it's hard to say. I say most people, you're like the, like the one person I mostly talked about Georgetown basketball, and I don't, I haven't looked at the, uh, message boards in a while. You know, what's up, Hoya Talk people? Sorry, it's been, been busy. Uh, but uh, so, like, I don't even know what other people think. But, yes, I mean, to me, we've just reached a point where, you know, I've long ago accepted the Georgetown, you know, it, it's just not going to be that type of program again. Uh, you know, even if they had, got the next Patrick Ewing as a player, he's only going to be here one year, right? So uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to see how that's going to happen. So, yeah, the 8,500-seat the place, uh, I was like the scope in the Old Dominion like that on campus or something would be great. but. I mean, it's uh, you know, we we're just talking the hypothetical. It's not realistic, but yeah, I agree. That would be the uh, that would be the one uh, the the one thing 
uh, for sure. And I think my runner-up would be, if there's one thing that you could sort of say, hey, this is what's going to fix you, I think it would be for Georgetown to dominate local recruiting. You know, basically it got Villanova two national championships. It's made, you know, countless, countless university. got fireworks in my neighborhood right now. New Year's Eve. I, I guess they're probably all just out there just waiting for Kente Corner to get to get processed um, and get up on get up online. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, that I mean, obviously they had the, you know, the Terrence William kid was coming and now he's not. And I'm not saying it's not it's not him. I don't even know enough about him, but just the idea of getting guys like that consistently, I think, would do a lot to solve Georgetown's problems. Uh, yeah, no, for 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 sure. But that that's like that's like practical. All right, here's a, here's one. How many uh, teams like, in the Big East right? How many that? teams are in the Big East right now? Uh, with Connecticut, what eleven? Eleven, yeah. All right, so I got to figure out what we do with the um with with the uh, schedule, right? Because it's a little tricky. You know, do, if, if you add another team. Do you play? You still keep the round robin, then that means you know a lot of games just in conference, or do you give up that? But I, I would, you know, I really like playing everybody twice. But we'll work that out because we're going to add a 12th team. That 12th team is either going to be Syracuse or Maryland. Now I assume the answer is going to be Syracuse because that's the actual rivalry that everybody cares about. But if somehow Syracuse balked. I'd be interested in what Maryland's up to just because I know there's football money and blah, 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 but they can leave the football in the Big Ten and just play basketball over here in the in the fantasy world. So, wait, those those are the options that we that I have to pick from? Well, I mean, Syracuse is the obvious one. If I told you we're going to – it's just going to happen. Syracuse football, who cares? Yeah, uh, no, right? it's got to be Syracuse because, I mean, Maryland, you know, it's just – it's not even there. Like, you know, they had those two games and it wasn't even that big of a deal. Um, all right, but so are you willing to take on Syracuse if it means you have to play everybody twice, and that's a lot of games? So now we're up to twenty-two conference games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Because I don't really—it's better than I don't playing give up the round robin. It's better than playing, you know, I don't know, Alabama State and Elon. I mean, whatever, that's fine. All right. I mean, you probably—it probably doesn't erase Alabama State or Elon. It probably erases playing. You know, you probably play in the New York tournament against Duke and uh, Texas, but you skip the Oklahoma State SMU games or something. Totally, totally fine. Do you have any bold predictions for this decade coming up, Ben? Um, like, do you boy, think, you like, the, really... like, as far as, like, you know, do you think we're going to see, like, something crazy happen as far as the NCAA? Um, you know, it's it's hard to imagine more more alignment because there's no football involved with the current Big East. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to do a terrible uh, podcast here. I, I don't really have an obvious answer to be honest with you. So, um, I, and I don't. I, I can. The things that came up automatically were negative. And I don't want to be the negative guy. So we're not going to go there. It's the end of the year. <laughs> we want to stay. We want to stay positive. Uh, so uh, no, I, I don't think I have anything. I don't think I have anything big picture. Um, I, 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 I. The one thing I. Okay, here's here's a bold prediction. Oh, here we well, go. Right now, 
Well, the, uh, so the BB&T has not existed now for a couple of years, and I don't think anybody missed it. It, it, it fizzled out. And, you know, but before at least it used to be pretty interesting early on when it was Maryland against some sort of like a Kansas or, or some team like that in Michigan State. And then it got to – so they're playing local teams. That was okay or Temple or something. And then it just got – once Georgetown became the thing, it was just, you know, Georgetown against the, cup, the, the true cupcake. There was no event, and that was it. I'm going to predict this decade some form of – thing happens again that somehow the, the, it, this gets worked out and I don't know if it's a formal tournament uh, in any way that people would want among the local teams but something happens again there's some level of nostalgia and somebody decides to do it that would be pretty cool maybe it can be the Ben Standing Athletic Invitational that would be amazing um, hopefully John Feinstein wouldn't crap all over it if I uh can't get Georgetown and Maryland, but you know, take it. I'll do it. We'll do it for the kids. I just want to put in right now for parking. Oh, no, 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 no parking. Okay. No, um, uh, 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 so I don't think either of us are making the trip to Newark. Is that uh, correct? Oh no, I won't be going to Newark uh, or anything along those lines. Um, do you I'm, do you I'm think that there's with... a chance that we could be at the Villanova game? What what is your schedule like? Saturday, I mean, January eleventh. Uh, you know, for those who are unaware, I cover from my primary work is covering the Washington Redskins, who are currently in uh, re- restructuring their entire uh, franchise. So. I'm, I'm they're not really taking. They're not restructuring it. If they, they hired a coach without a GM. Well, we don't know what oh, we don't <laughs> know what's happening. There's a lot of stuff in play, and the larger they still have to help get assistance. The larger point is the month of January. I'm not booking squat. Okay, uh, I got things to do. Uh, I think the last I, I think the last time we were there was the 2013 NCAA tournament. Uh, when I well, almost I've been threw myself building. off the hockey press box. Yes, I've been to that building several times since for Wizard Sixers games. Well, I said together. Oh, oh, together. Did you want to tell people? We did go. We were in the exact same space that we went to an Eagles game together. You want to tell people about that? Yeah, I had like auxiliary seating. It was fun. But ba- you don't have to tell. Them, but basically, we went. We got credentials, and he had to. See, there was literally no seat. He had to stand the whole time. No, and amazing. there was some guy, I don't even know what website, I'm not. I'm sure he's not listening, but there was probably one of the most annoying media members in my life of covering anything. And I've been doing this almost 10 years now. Well, longer if you count high school, but doing the uh, big boy sports of college and professional, probably the most annoying person that's ever had a media credential was trying to call every Redskins play before it happened and then sort of like living and dying with the results. It was probably the most painful experience of my professional career. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, that was a good <laughs> character builder for you. Yeah, I definitely didn't die, so I survived. So it's always a positive. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, man, look, I think I think it's going to be. Look, I, I don't know what to, what to make of this Georgetown team as we saw today. I do. One one player, one, you know, he's not just a player, but you know, you lose any one of those top six guys, and it's just going to be really difficult 
for them to sustain anything, which is, we, you know, we've known this throughout today. Did you just like send an a, email? Uh, and the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the Big East is really good this year. So I don't see how, I, it'll be, it'll just be a fascinating watch to see how they can navigate this. Can they avoid, you know, any more injuries? You know, was this just the one and they're, and they're good the rest of the way? And, you know, how do you navigate such a short, such a short bench? What looks like it's going to be a really tough year in the conference. Yeah, basically, uh, nobody can get a cold from now until the Big East tournament. No one can pick up 3,000 the first half. Clearly, nobody can miss a game, right? And like I said earlier, it's unfortunate it happened in this game. This was a winnable one. There's going to be games that aren't winnable, that sort of scheduled loss, I think they call it in the NBA. They're going to have some of those. So they're behind it right now. They're 0-1. In a game that they could have won, they need to find. I think they, I think eight and ten puts them on the bubble. I think nine and nine, they're a shoe in for the tournament, but they're already own one. So it's gonna, it's not gonna be easy. It was never gonna be easy. It was never gonna be easy at full strength, honestly. And now, like you said, there's no margin for error. Hopefully, Matt McClung for Georgetown's sake is not seriously injured, and he's not gonna miss that much time. Because it's probably going to be a real, a real tough, a real tough, you know, job to get anything done without one of their top seven guys, particularly him, because everything sort of opens up once he's doing his once he's doing his stuff. Absolutely. Do you have any parting yeah, shots for the people for uh, New Year's? We have like I got the producer in my ear telling me we gotta go. Just uh, be careful out there. Be safe. Happy New Year. You know, be ca- load manage as needed. You can't if you're Georgetown, but the rest of us, we can load manage if you need to. Yes, that's really good advice. Load management. Find our podcast, Kente Corner. Like it. Give it a good rating. Subscribe. Follow Ben. Subscribe to The Athletic. All that good stuff. Until next time.